podcast. It's been quite a while since you've last allowed us to um, enter your ears. Well, uh, we're back now. No Sinan Schwarting with me tonight. Uh, instead, I am joined uh, for the first time by a good friend of mine, uh, uh, somebody who helps us out with uh, Besiktas International as well, straight from the Netherlands, Yusuf Pakalaje. Yusuf, thank you very much for joining me on the show. Your um, podcast debut, is it not? Yeah, it is. Uh, thank you, Khan. Uh, I've been wanting to join for a while now, honestly, but just couldn't find the time or the opportunity, you know. But uh, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm grateful to be on the show. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I've been trying to get you to... Uh, um, to grace everyone's uh, the air, grace the airwaves with your presence. Uh, but it, it took a while to sort that all out, but it, it only took a, a, a deadly virus to, uh, to completely destabilize the entire world to finally get you to sit down and have a chat with me. Yeah, well, it it has helped. I uh, can't lie about that. Honestly speaking, uh, way more time, you know, way more time to be at home also. So that has helped but not just that of course uh, you have multiple uh, guests on the show you know and sometimes just uh, when we talk about a match or something I haven't always watched it really carefully you know what I mean Mm -hmm. then then you ask me hey you want to be on the show this weekend and I you know (laughs) it's just not uh, (laughs) yeah yeah you like to be over prepared I think well not over prepared necessarily but just yeah, yeah, I want to. I want to have some basic knowledge. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, we're we're briefly going to cover the Galatasaray match, and as you mentioned off air, it's been over a month. Uh, but we we have to get to it since we haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, I think Sinan did like a, an emergency episode, kind of a couple of weeks ago, just to to tie people over a little bit. But he didn't manage to get to the Galatasaray game. Um, yeah, coronavirus, it's its impacted the entire world, also the world of Turkish football. The, the match had to be played behind closed doors. Um, after the match, uh, Fatih Terim was found positive of the coronavirus like two weeks later or something like that. Uh, so for a while there, I personally was a little bit worried about uh, Sergen's health because uh, he, of course, shook hands and, and, and hugged Fatih Terim before the match and stuff like that. The match ended in a nil-nil score. Um what do you think about the fact that the match was played behind closed doors? Did Besiktas get an advantage with that? Do you think that it uh, that we do? You, do you believe we would have gotten a point if it wasn't for uh, that fact? Well, I think we absolutely gained an advantage. Just uh, when we started watching the game, you know, first ten minutes it was already clear. Just there wasn't any excitement. You know what I mean? There was. There wasn't any passion in the game, and honestly speaking, I think if Galatasaray had those 50,000 fans behind them, I think they definitely would have scored at least one goal. So, to me, uh, not being uh, no fans being present at the game has definitely helped us gain a point. Yeah, and and, and how important do you see that point being? Because, uh, for example, in Belgium now, they decided to just stop uh, the season for, and, and not resume uh, later. Um, of course, uh, the Turkish Football Federation have announced that they are aiming to try and recommence the league mid-May. Um, but, I don't know, 
doctors here in Belgium um, are really not thinking that the European seasons are going to be finished. So Belgium is the first country, I think, that decided to cancel the season, basically, to stop the season prematurely. UEFA still want to go ahead. They still want to have all the, the leagues finished by August. But how realistic do you see that? Do you think that Turkey will recommence this season or do you think it's just a write-off? Honestly speaking, it's it's not really predictable, you know what I mean? If you ask me, in my personal opinion, I think it's not possible to finish the season because, honestly speaking, I think this fire is going to be amongst us until the end of this year, not just the end of this season of this calendar year so I don't think the season should be played or can be played but we don't know what the federation is going to decide if they will decide that the games are going to be played without any fans for example that's that's definitely an option but if Mm -hmm. you ask me no this season should definitely not be played anymore you know just we should cancel the season and uh not crown anyone champions, not relegate any teams, which is kind of... Yeah, that's what they're doing in Belgium too. Uh, They they have usually, normally, regularly, they have 16 teams in the league and next season they're going to be having 18 teams again, how it used to be and I think how it should be. But um, yeah, yeah, so that's what what Belgium are doing. Um, Any notes that you have on the Galtry game that you want to maybe quickly share uh, before we move on? Well, honestly speaking, I was uh, I was happy with our display in that game. After the game, I heard a lot of Galatasaray fans complain about our uh, tactics and our game plan. They thought we were playing 11 men behind the ball, if you know what I mean. Hmm. But honestly speaking, I, I was, didn't have I was, that feeling, honestly. Okay, yeah, I was I was really happy with our performance. I thought we defended perfectly, except for the last 20 minutes, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, we tried to attack them on the counter and we had definitely had opportunities to score a goal. So I yeah, was happy sure. with our game plan. I was happy with, with, the, with the way we handled this game. But yeah, we couldn't score a goal because as I told you <laughs> before, our attackers aren't really uh, on a good level. To yeah. Burak isn't having a, a great season due to injuries, age starting to get to him, of course. Um, and then, yeah, Unkudu probably had the best chance of the match, and if only he had uh, passed it. Uh, I'm not sure who it was who was in the center. Was it Burak? Um, but basically, it would have been... Yeah, uh, it, would, it would have been a tap-in, pretty much. So, uh, I think... I don't know about playing 11 men behind the ball. Actually, I, I thought we, we didn't... I I think the thing was that we didn't overcommit going forward, but I definitely don't think we were playing eleven men behind the ball yeah. at all. That's not my personal opinion, eh? Uh, yeah, yeah. Realize that it's just Galatasaray fans after the game are yeah yeah salty with, salty. With our, you know? But I thought we were uh, we were uh, pretty decent. It's just that we don't have a lot yeah. of scoring ability in front. You know, we have yeah. Burak, but he hasn't having a good season we lacked the quality up front uh, Leitch was on the bench of course uh, Boateng started but Boateng um, 
he's showed some nice things. Of course, he he scored a couple of really good goals. But how has he overall? How has he impressed you? Do you think he's a player that we should retain for next season? It depends, honestly. In in the Galatasaray game, he was sort of invisible, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. uh, besides that game, he has been pretty good, especially against Trabzon. He was he was really good, if you ask me. And against Gazisher, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he scored in two of the three home games, I want to say. But I'm not certain on that. I was, I was really, before we signed him, I was really skeptical. Skeptical, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. uh, he has been pretty decent. It's just, I don't know how our budget is going to be. So, if, if we can keep him, because people are saying we have to uh, lower our wages. Yeah, yeah. In that sense. Yeah, that's going to be the, the big thing. Yeah? Uh, and I'm very curious about what the case is in that because we already were in that situation before this whole uh, corona crisis, basically. And how is that going to change now? Uh, how much more are we going to be in, in financial jeopardy? I mean, here in Belgium and, 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 you're, and well, not just in Belgium, but like in Spain, uh, Barcelona, Juventus in Italy, um, they're all cutting back. Players are having to uh, take massive pay cuts. That is not being talked about much in Turkey at all, from what I'm seeing. Um, Besiktas were already talking about that beforehand, that players would have to be taking pay cuts. Um, yeah, but we haven't really heard that much about it. Uh, yesterday there was a report from Okta Chizgi saying that Necip Uysal uh, had accepted lowering his wage. Um, I think that uh, if he didn't, that would be a very bad uh, decision on his part, I think. That would be fan de la carrière, I think. Um, but yeah, that's just generally the, the, the situation right now. Of course, Boateng at the moment is on a, on a low wage, just earning 350000 for half a season. I think if he would come back next season for, say, 700000 uh, he would. I think Besiktas are always going to sign him again. But his contract for next season, if he is retained right now, um, he would be earning 1.7 million as it stands. And I think that that's just too much right now because, as you mentioned, we have to downsize. We already had to downsize before this crisis hit. Um, and, and now this is not going to have a good impact on our finances. Our finances are only going to be worse. Um, financial fair play, UEFA have already said that they are going to relax financial fair play significantly. So it's not something that we have to worry about. Uh, of course, there's then the, the TFF deal. Uh, the I don't know what that's going, what they're going to do with that because honestly, I think they're going to have to take some drastic measures in that regard because otherwise, clubs are just not going to survive, especially given the situation in Turkish football right now. And even, I mean, the big clubs are in massive financial uh, troubles at the moment, and those clubs could, even those clubs could disappear um, under these extreme circumstances right now so yeah i don't know exactly what there is to expect and i wanted to talk to you about next season uh with you about next season uh, and and the the squad that we're going to have to put together the players that are probably going to be leaving um possibilities to get other players but before we get to that how do you see the financial situation right now for turkish football for Besiktas in particular well as you said, we were already in a terrible situation. I think when we say terrible situation, I'm putting it lightly. 
but um, so yeah you can swear you can say we're in deep shit <laughs> yeah, um, this has definitely made made things even worse and uh, I don't know what we're going to do honestly speaking like before the situation we were already going to struggle we were already going to have to downsize and now I don't know honestly because we've already our, our wage budget is already way too high. If I look at our squad, you know, there's multiple players earning way too much. So they would definitely have to take a pay cut. But now with the corona crisis, I don't know how we're going to survive, honestly. It, it's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit doom and gloomy right now, but that's just uh, the reality, the harsh reality right now. And I think... Yeah, uh, I don't know. I think the government maybe has to step in, but the problem is that uh, the, the Turkish economy isn't doing very well to begin with. Um, President Erdogan had already asked uh, the citizens of Turkey last week or the week before to send money to the government, so I don't know if we can expect a bailout for Turkish football from uh, from that side, from that side of, 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 of the spectrum, so to speak. People always say, yeah, we have to send away these players and play the players from the academy, from the youth academy. Mm. So mm -hmm. I think it's honestly time to start doing that. I don't know if that's going to save us. It's, I don't think that's... Yeah, yeah. The, the problem is... I'm very curious how FIFA and how UEFA are going to handle all of this because right now, like I said, those clubs across Europe are... Um, having players uh, down, well, downsizing the contracts, and I don't know how they're legally doing that. I'm very curious as to find out how they're doing it because it it sounds when you're reading these reports, it all sounds pretty forceful. It doesn't sound like those players have much choice in the matter, but I think they have to agree. I don't think it's possible for the clubs to uh, one-sided do that unless of course maybe there's like a decree from fifa from look this is a very um weird circumstance where uh exceptional circumstances where clubs are going to have to do this to survive i i, I hope there's gonna be some sort of communication on that regard i think that's uh normally i'm i'm, I'm against uh, clubs withholding wages for players uh you know I'm, i i don't like it when Besiktas have done in the past or when Turkish clubs in general do it like they're not paying players because they're not you know how like when in some clubs uh, when a player isn't performing they just stop paying them you know it does not even because they're in a bad financial situation but just oh that guy didn't live up to the expectations so we're just going to stop paying him and we're going to prioritize paying other players and that's stuff I really don't approve of but now currently with this situation that's going on at the moment i think that clubs are going to have to start doing stuff like that like yeah i don't know maybe only pay 20 or 30 percent of the players wages and i don't think you can hold those clubs to those owed wages at a later date either because they're never going to make that money that they lost uh, these months back that's gone there's no potential i think to make that revenue back i think like you, I, I I highly doubt that this season is going to get started again. Uh, I if you would have asked me like two three weeks ago, I would have always said, "Oh no, this will this will start again." But 
um, prospects aren't looking great. I don't think uh, like you. I think that it's going to last for at least at, until the end of the calendar year. Obviously, uh, you know, we had a peak now or, or heading into a peak, depending on where you are in the world. Um, and, and that's going to go down. But there may be uh, new peaks. And, you know, um, we'll have to wait and see, of course, how that goes. So it's very weird then to go over into the next subject I wanted to talk to you about, which is uh, how does the squad shape up for next season? And that's a very weird topic because there's so many unknown factors right now. Uh, and it's, it's such a weird uh, topic to be talking about really with everything being so as uncertain as they are. But right now on social media, of course, a lot of Besiktas fans, a lot of football fans in general are uh, on social media, maybe even more so than before this whole thing, because now people have just so much time on their hands. And yeah, people are looking for stuff to, to talk about. And, and one of the things that is being talked about is, of course, Anderson Talishka continuing to basically... Um, yeah, how should I put it? Uh, stir the fire, stir the pot, uh, trying to get noticed by, by Besiktas. Uh, he's clearly sending out signals that he wants to come back. I don't think that is, is uh, that is not even up for debate. It looks like he is really trying to uh, use the fan base, I think, to put pressure on the club to bring him back. He clearly wants to leave China. Right now he's in Brazil and he can't actually return to China because of a travel ban. Um, and the Chinese season is supposed to start in the next couple of weeks, I think. Um, what do you think in that regard? Do you think that, first of all, is it is it okay for Talishka to be doing that kind of stuff right now, knowing the situation the club is, which, is in, which he undoubtedly uh, at least has some uh, knowledge of? Um, and do you think that Besiktas fans uh, can dream of uh, Anderson Talishka return if certain, um, yeah, I don't know, if certain players are sold, certain players leave the club? What, how do the conditions need to be? You think for uh, Anderson Talishka to potentially come back? Well, let me say this first. You know how I think about Talishka. I don't love a player fast if you know what I mean quickly but he's he's an exception uh, I think he's my most loved player yeah you constantly ever. bombard our group chat with uh, with pictures <laughs> of Talishka yeah. and then something like comeback king or something uh, you he's, know I... he's without a doubt my favorite player ever for the club okay but well that's due to your speaking, age yeah yeah of course yeah I, I haven't <laughs> Sergei playing, yeah, ex yeah, exceptions, but not uh, really active, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you know what I mean. So, yeah, it's my age, but honestly, how much I want it to happen, even though, you know, it's just, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, you know how Turkish fans are on social media, they're going to like everything, and they're, mm -hmm. they're going to have a lot of interactions if, if you mention something Turkish, you know? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying he's using the fan base for likes, if you know what I mean, but it's definitely an option. And but, but do you think it's for likes or do you think it's genuinely because he wants to move away from China and he sees Besiktas as an exit strategy? I don't doubt that he loves the club, you know, he, had, he, he has the, he had the best moments of his career 
Edward Clough, but I don't know. I think he's keen on moving back, but it's just not going to happen on our part, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because, like we said, we, we already have to lower our wage budget. Yeah. So, of course, we could send away, for example, Lance and Olson, and four million would be freed up in the yeah. wage budget, you know what I mean? But yeah. still, that three, four million, we already had to yeah. make, you know what I mean? Make that sacrifice. So yeah. But the, we, we, of course, have a, a long list of players that could potentially be on the way out. Uh, Janer Erkin has an expiring contract. Gukan Gunnel has an expiring contract. Although uh, Gukan is probably going to be extending for a reduced uh, wage. Obviously, he's 35. Um, and uh, I think Serjan Dikme, who seems to have uh, decent ties to the current board because he has been on point with some reports this season, with quite a lot of reports this season. Uh, and if, if you would have asked me, like... Uh, let's say a year ago when Orman was still in charge uh, about uh, the reliability of Serjan Dikme, I would have said, oh no, not not very. But now uh, he seems to have some sources within this board that feed him uh, reliable news. Um, and, and he did say a, a couple of months ago, I want to say two months ago maybe, that Gokhan had uh, agreed in principle to a reduced wage of, I, I think, around 700,000 euros or something like that. I think under those circumstances, that's a, that's a, that's a reduction. Oh, no, 900, I think it might have been. Uh, but regardless, you know, that's almost like a million less than he's making right now. He's on, on 1.65 million at the moment, so 650,000 euros. Um, and then uh, Janner is on 1.7 or 1.75 uh, Janner's contract is ending. I think Janner. I don't. If I were Janner, I probably wouldn't take uh, a, 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 a wage significantly lower because I think at 31 he can still go and get a good contract elsewhere, like Bashakshi here or something, or Kasim Pasha maybe. Maybe not 1.7 million, but I think he can probably still get 1.4, 1.5 at Bashakshi or something. And I don't think Bishiktesh will be offering him. Uh, o- over 1.1 or whatever, because businesses are obviously looking to um, yeah lower their weight budget uh, significantly. Um, but those are two guys that potentially may be off the wage bill. Then of course there's Adam Lajic who has gotten criticized very heavily this season, and he's only 28. He still has a lot of value, I think, in Italy. Uh, clubs might be interested in him in Russia. Maybe clubs might be interested in him. Although we of course have to see how those. You know, those Italian clubs, how do they come out of this crisis? Because, of course, it's hit Italy hardest of all, perhaps even. Um, but, yeah, let's just speculate for a bit here. Let's say Laich uh, is sold. Uh, let's say uh, Janner does not extend uh, and leaves. Uh, let's say uh, who else is, is on an end of a contract? Maybe Burak. We somehow managed to sell him because he's on a high contract. Uh, Jermaine Lenz, Ozan. Uh, there's a lot of players that could be on their way out in the summer. Do you see any possibility for us to bring in uh, Talishka and maybe build a team around him, make him, instead of having two three-star players, just go with one guy, build around that guy, if he is willing to accept a reduced wage and yeah, be at the center of a project? Do you think that that could be possible some way? Well, it's it's a really hard question to answer because there's so much uncertainty right now. 
but um, it really depends on him. If he wants to accept a wage of, say, 2 million euros, then maybe, you know, if he really, really wants to come, then it, it could be possible. It's just there's so, so much uncertainty and so many factors we just don't know that it's really hard to, really hard to tell. But he does seem keen to move back if it's not him using the fan base. So, you know, it really depends. But as you said, there's a couple guys leaving that have really high wages. So mm -hmm. if he wants to, if he really, really wants to come, then it could be possible. But even then, it's, it's, it's really hard, if, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's probably a little bit of a pipe dream for uh, Besiktas fans. And it, it looks like it's going to be a tough um, summer window for sure. Uh, lots of homework to do. And I mean, we don't even know if this season is going to be finished. And that also brings with it uh, uncertainty in regards to income for next season. We don't know if we're going to be playing in Europe. An interesting thing was suggested here in Belgium by Anderlecht of all clubs. They suggested that the European re revenues um, would be shared amongst all the top flight clubs uh, for the next three years was their suggestion. Now, I think next three years is a little bit ridiculous. I also think it's uh, given the, the way that season ended uh, or that, that that ranking looked with Club Brugge. Uh, 15 points in the lead, one match away from the end of the regular season course in Belgium they have a playoff system like we had for one season in Turkey with that super final uh, was basically the same thing with the top six playing each other still twice um, in order to determine uh, who goes to Europe and stuff like that and who becomes a champion blah 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 um, but basically they had played 29 out of 30 matches in the regular season and Club Brugge was 15 points ahead so I think it's a lot easier for them to decide look end of the season Brugge are champions okay so Brugge are not going to the Champions League obviously in Turkey right now the situation is very different because we have Trabzonspor and uh, Sivaspor on equal points on 54, 53, I want to say. Uh, and then we have Sivaspor on 50 and Galatasaray on like 52 or something. So I think Galatasaray are three points behind, right? The leaders? They're yeah, they're three points behind Trabzonspor and Sivaspor. But anyway, uh, and then we have a big drop-off to Besiktas, who are like nine points behind or something like that. Um, so it's a very different situation in Turkey. I think in Turkey, you, like you said, you can't really declare a champion given with this because obviously Trabzonspor and Besiktas here are on level points. Head-to-head, um, -head they are also level. So then you have to look at goal differential. Uh, and obviously Trabzonspor would uh, win in, in that regard, but how fair is it really with still almost a third of the season to go to declare somebody champion based on goal differential? Not very, I would say. Uh, so the situation in Turkey is a little bit different and a little bit more interesting, I think. If the season does not continue, I do believe that um, distributing the European prize money from next season among the 18 clubs in the league is the only way to go, really. I think you can't go and say, look, Trabzonspor finished first, so they're going to take that ticket straight into the Champions League and all the corresponding money, which is like almost 45, 50 million euros. Now, you can say, look, they take the ticket, but they can only keep like, let's say, 15% of that money and the rest of that money, the, the or, or maybe 30%, whatever. Let's say, let's say... uh. 
25% of it goes to them. Um, and then like 5% goes to Bashakshi here, plus whatever they get from their campaign. And then the the remaining, I don't know, uh, 60-70% gets distributed amongst the other clubs in the league or something, depending, uh, the percentage depending on their position in the league as it was ended. I think that would be a f more fair system um, and also something that is going to be needed because any money that's going to be coming in uh, is going to be more than welcome. What do you think of something like that where the European uh, money gets distributed amongst the entire league? Well, um, let me say this first. Uh, I don't think this season should uh, should should have a champion. So in that sense, it's like you said, Trabzonspor, they are first right now, but you wouldn't know if they would actually finish first because it's so the situation is so tight, you know, in, in Turkey. But if they could have that Champions League ticket, that that's not a problem to me because. Uh, you will have to distribute those European tickets in some way. You know, so they could have the Champions League ticket, but the prize money, definitely, I agree, they should share that over all the teams. I've heard similar things in uh, in Holland. You know, that they, they want to give Ajax the Champions League ticket and then distribute the prize money over all 18 clubs. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's, that's a really good idea, but... Um, like you said, in Belgium, three three seasons, three years, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that was Anderlecht. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't agree to that either. I, if I was uh, any club, I wouldn't agree to that. Um, no, but I think definitely for this season, because it is highly doubtful. Look, if we finish the season, okay, good. Then we don't have to deal with all this. Um, but still then, though. We do still kind of have to deal with it, I think, because of the damage suffered right now, because of all the clubs having uh, their season stopped, uh, all their revenues stopped. They still have to pay their players right now. Um, I don't know what the situation is with sponsorships right now, but I know that in, in, in other countries, uh, a lot of sponsors are trying to get out of their deals because obviously those companies also are taking a massive hit and they're looking to survive um, and nobody benefits from anyone going bankrupt. If I mean, if your main sponsor goes bankrupt, yeah, then you don't get your money anyway. So yeah, it's a very tough situation, which we will have to continue to monitor. Um, is there anything else you would like to talk about before uh, we uh, this, before we sign off? Well, you wanted to talk about how the squad should shape next season. <laughs> so yeah, let's take a look. Started started with. Uh, with a number 10, you know, and, and then the right and left back. But he didn't actually start from the back. Yeah, let's let's talk about that exactly. Also, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the, the goalkeeper, goalkeeper position. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely an important position. And we have heard, we have learned a little bit that uh, Volkan Babajan is being considered for that position. Um, oh, that would be such a deflating move, right? I mean, I think there's so many better options I'm not saying Volkan Babajan is a terrible option, like like a short term maybe, but I would take him in a heartbeat as a second goalkeeper. Is he's if he is willing to take a low wage and he doesn't mind sitting on the bench, I would not mind him as our second choice one bit. But personally, I really want to see. Um, I, I I'd rather even see Ersin 
gets like a, 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 at least a couple of months to prove himself and okay look if he completely bombs obviously you can say okay what we're gonna put Volkan for the rest of the season but I do not want to see us start a season with Volkan Babajan as our number one what about you I agree you know you know how I think about Turkish goalkeepers I uh, I hate them honestly the only exception being Rüştü all the others ones uh, I'm not a fan of them <laughs> I mean, hate is a strong word for me, but I definitely have the same mistrust of Turkish goalkeepers. I mean, I, I didn't even trust Rüştü. I thought Rüştü was an extremely um, volatile goalkeeper who yeah. did really weird stuff sometimes. It still be my age, you know, because World Cup 2002 was mm. when I was like nine, so... Oh, but he was amazing. He was amazing in 2002, but... I mean, he was when he was playing for us. He he was good, and he sometimes he had those matches where it's like he was absolutely unbeatable, and uh, but then other times he do such weird stuff and like you know remember that one time for Turkey even when he when he ran I think it was against England when he ran out and gave like a yeah. karate kick and uh, he's done stuff he's done stuff like that throughout his career where he's doing weird stuff. Remember two thousand and eight where. Uh, he just chased the ball outside the box, and then Croatia, I think it yeah, was, Croatia. scored. Yeah, so he he's the same, uh, well, not the same thing, but uh, also a big mistake against Germany, mm. if you remember. So yeah. yeah, he wasn't always reliable, but he was the best of uh, the bunch, so to speak, for me. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, so Volkan Babajan, I would just based on his nationality, I wouldn't already, you know, I would not take him. <laughs> Based racist on his skills, I don't think I don't I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper no he's a good he's, he's a good goalkeeper a, but he's very good yeah. enough yeah I mean he's he's a decent goalkeeper like, and I think he's relatively reliable like a secure relatively like no not he doesn't do weird stuff like Rüştü used to do like Volkan Demiral used to do uh, he's he's a lot less eccentric I think but he is just, I don't know, like, there's a reason why Mert took the jersey from him at Besiktas, I think, because uh, because Okan Buruk and even Abdullah Avci last season wanted more of a footballing uh, player as their goalkeeper. And that's one of the weaknesses, I think, for Volkan, is just that he his footwork is, is just subpar. Yeah, if I had to take one Turkish goalkeeper, not not that I'm a huge fan of him that's that's not it but I think he is the best Turkish goalkeeper Funny. who who sorry Mert or yeah Mert, Mert. I think Mert is the best Turkish goalkeeper at the moment you know people are praising Urcan mm-hmm yeah, it's a little, little early. I mean, Uwajan has made his share of mistakes even this season. Yeah. Uh, that people are just forgetting those uh, because he he had some amazing games like against Fenerbahce and stuff, like amazing performances. But he also has those moments still, and he's very young, of course. And uh, maybe in into uh, maybe yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, same with uh, was it Onur? Yeah, yeah one amazing game against Fenerbahce, you remember? <laughs> yeah, 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 in Kadikoy. Then everyone was like, oh, he's great, he's going to be amazing. And he was just, like, he isn't bad, he's not bad, but he's not really good goalkeeper or something like that. He has, he has his faults. And I mm. think the same about Urshan. He has, uh, he's had a couple of really good big games, which people remember, but the mistakes he made in the smaller ones, they 
Yeah, and it's also maybe the fundamentals that are often lacking with Turkish goalkeepers. Um, like raw talent, I think we often see with like reflex-wise, I think we've seen some Turkish goalkeepers that m- might have been world-class in, in, in those t- attributes, but then just fundamentally... I think that was one of the issues with Jen Gunnan too back in the day. Yeah, like, he, yeah, he had some really great uh, raw talent, but you could see that until he was like 16, he played as a striker, and you could see that in his fundamentals, his handling, his, uh, yeah, just brain farts. And yeah, I think that's that's something that returns as a recurring issue with Turkish keepers. is going to leave we can't we can't afford him and even if we could I doubt we would take him he's not been good enough you know I don't I don't think he deserves the hate he's getting right now but that's Turkish fans I think yeah, yeah. same with Kordashima same with Jeanette you know they deserve to be criticized but it's uh, it's ridiculous you know but he's going to leave and yes he's simply not been good enough so we have to accept that and find a replacement as you said, like, I definitely wouldn't want to, you know, take over. No, yeah. I, I don't think he's been good enough, you know. And, uh, yeah, he has those same fundamental issues, I feel. And uh, we, we haven't seen enough of Ersin. I mean, we saw him, I think, in at least one friendly against Panathinaikos, and he was really good in that match. But how much can you really uh, base uh, your opinion on one game? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's No, I don't. I don't even remember that. I, I remember people uh, just having rose-colored glasses on f- about his uh, match against Dynamo Kiev, you know, because of that carambol. But people just forget that the carambol happened because of Jenk in the first place. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah um, so if And what do you think of guys like uh, Ridwan, for example? Um, we've seen a little bit of him this season. Do you think he should get a chance at left back next season? Do you think he's good enough for that? Or do you think we should play it safe, still get uh, a senior left back and, and see with Ridwan maybe in cup games or something? Mm-hmm. Doesn't deserve the hate he gets, but he's, he's simply not good enough, you know. But with him, it's more fight. People look at his assists and think, oh, he's he's good. Why does he get so much hate? And the other side is just tearing him down, and that's also not deserved. Mm. Personally, for me, it's more. I don't I, I don't hate on Janner at all. I think he can be valuable, but I, I think he's kind of this, in the same way how Quaresma became a little bit the problem for the team where when you have a Janner, when you have a Quaresma, sometimes the team is too inclined when they are struggling and they don't find a footballing solution to just give the ball to those guys because they always can cross. And I think that's dangerous. And I think we need a more footballing-minded uh, left-back, just somebody who looks for combination rather than 
dropping the box, the ball in the box. There's of course uh, one other left back we have. Yeah, but he'll be uh, yeah. he's getting sent back to to France, unfortunately. What did you think of Rebocho? Well, honestly, I think he started great. I think he was really good in his first couple of games. Yet in the Europa League, he was pretty good, if you ask me. And against Galatasaray, that one home game, mm -hmm. he was pretty good in that one too. But after, I think that game against Galatasaray, he just dropped off. And I don't know if, if it was him or Abdullah's team or whatever. But yeah, he definitely declined after the Galatasaray game. So. Again, I don't think he deserves the amount of, you know, criticism he got. Yeah. I mean, look, he's on, on 450k a year. That's not a lot. That's, that's just peanuts. But the main issue with him is, of course, his transfer fee, which uh, is was never confirmed, but it's believed to be quite high, like close to 3 million or something. That's just something that Bistich can't probably can't afford. Uh, most certainly probably not. <laughs> you know, almost certainly not. Yeah, because of the clause, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So then at right back, of course, Gokhan Gunnel, what do you think? Should we keep him for at least another season? Definitely. Same, same thing with Gokhan. I see people criticize him, and I just I don't understand because I think he has. Two people really criticize yeah, him? Well, not, not at this moment, you know, not, not necessarily this season, but before this season, definitely. I've heard a lot of you know, people nagging about him. I, I really didn't get why. I thought he was really good. I think he has been really good since he came in. Yeah, when he's fit. Yeah. When he is fit, he is. I always feel like he puts in a solid performance. I, for me, he's like like Atiba. He's like a. You can write him down as a. He's gonna put. He's gonna give you like a seven out of ten performance almost every match. And and sometimes eight or more, but you know. Maybe sometimes you know he have a lesser performance, but usually that's because he's playing with like injections or something, or he's not one hundred percent fit. Yeah, I agree. So I definitely think we should keep him, and if he's going to, you know, take a pay cut, then, then there's yeah. no in my mind. Yeah. So even his age, thirty-five, doesn't bother you? No, definitely not. I think he's. I, age is just a number. You yeah. Know? yeah for sure. With, for sure. Same with Atiba. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When Atiba. Uh, had like three or four lesser games in uh, the season we won our second title, so 2017. At the end of the season, mm -hmm. we played Kasim Pasha and stuff. That period, he was he was a bit less than normal. Tired, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And people were immediately like, "Oh, yeah, he's old." He oh, it's over. Yeah. Anymore, you know, and I I just don't agree with that. And we've seen that a lot the last three years or so, huh? because this season they did it, uh, last season they did it, the season. I mean, it feels like they're doing it every season. Every time Atiba like has a drop off in form, um, it feels like people are writing him off. Like not just saying, okay, maybe he should play less games, maybe we should get a replacement and and just alternate a little bit more. No, no, it's immediately it's either he's great or he's done, he's finished. Funny because I think he has been our best player this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, if you look statistically, uh, he's having his best season of his career. I think statistically, in terms of goals and 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 yeah, goal contribution in general, just the amount of goals he scored. I think he's got four or something, and then he has like four or five assists. So uh, statistically, he is having the best season of his career, which is funny. So yeah, that's 
that's why I think age. You shouldn't, yeah, of course you have to look at age, but it's not the sole thing you judge a player on, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I think Gukan and Atiba have been amazing, well, yeah, amazing over their whole career for us, and pretty good this season even, so yeah. I think they both should stay, because I think Atiba's contract was also ending. Yeah, yeah, but he basically for the last, um, I want to say three or four years, he has always had an expiring contract and he always extends for one year, basically. Um, which I, I mean, I understand from one point, but on the other hand, especially like a couple of years ago when we were financially, we were doing better. Um, and given the fact that he's always had a, one of the lowest contracts in the team, like he has never had more than 1 million euros guaranteed. Of course, he had like certain clauses where he was making like 1.3, 1.4 at the end of the day. But he, his base wage, his base guaranteed wage was always just at max. At the most it's ever been was 1 million euros. If you compare that to the, the rest of the team, even like back in 2014, we had players who were, were earning 1.4, 1.5, 1.6, 1.7. He's always been one of the absolute lowest paid players in the starting 11. And... I don't know. I think a couple of years ago, he definitely deserved like a two-year extension or something instead of a one-year extension. But you know what? Atiba doesn't make a big deal out of it. He's loyal to a fault, maybe even. Um, I would love to see him finish his, career, his playing career at the club. Uh, also, you know, just seeing, you know, he settled in Istanbul. His family, uh, his wife is there. They're, they're happy. His kids going to school, uh, speaking Turkish and stuff like that. They're, they seem very much uh, in love with the city and, and the country. And uh, yeah, it would be nice to see Atiba continue with us, I think, for next season. Even if it's not always going to be as a starter. Because we have Fatih Aksoy coming back from Sivaspor. And maybe he's going to be... The replacement for Atiba. I don't know if you see that in him. I think it's a very different type of a defensive midfielder. He's more, um, much more uh, a pure defending midfielder, I think, and less of a passer. But he has a couple of nice assists this season as well, and he has quite uh, a decent amount of key passes as well compared to El Nini, for example. I think Fati should definitely get a chance at least with us. it's a question if he can you know continue that with a with a bigger club and also because it's only been one season it's mm-hmm. kind of question mark but I think he should definitely get a chance but if I had to pick one or the other you know Fatih or Atiba then uh, Atiba also said he wants to finish his career next season so he should mm-hmm. definitely get that one season contract and then end it with us yeah I would not be surprised if Atiba at the end of next season. Look, if next season goes well for him and he feels good, I, I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, he continues was, for another year. I was already surprised when he said that. Yeah, 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 me too, me too. And a little bit disappointed. It, it kind of, yeah. it was like, oh no, no, yeah. you have to, you have to stay, you have to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll have to wait and see. You know, I mean, once you get to like thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight, I think it's very much. Um, how not not what level you can still play at in the games. I think it's more a, a factor of how do you feel after the match and how long does it take you to recover 
from uh, playing 90 minutes. I think that's the biggest issue for those guys. And as long as that's okay, as long as their body feels okay, I think it's fine. But I, I know that Atipa does like... Um, I don't know if he's currently doing it, but like he does like certain uh, cleanses and stuff like that. Uh, he was doing it a couple of years ago. I remember one match he was sick or something. Uh, and that was because he had like his, his sin day like a couple of days before, which was like one day a month he could like eat everything or something. <laughs> and then he was, he, he had like diarrhea or something. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, um, so Atiba and Fatih Aksoy coming in. Fatih Aksoy then probably coming in for El Nini. How have you liked El Nini this season? Do you think we should try to keep him at a reduced wage? Or do you think, no, El Nini has disappointed? Let's just give Fatih Aksoy the chance. I've really disliked him until Serkin came in. You know, um, first couple of games I thought he was really bad, mm-hmm. and then afterwards we had that winning streak. You know, five, six, seven games, and people were praising him. Oh, we aren't conceding goals. You know, stuff like that. And it's because well, Nanny, I didn't agree. I I thought he was still not not good. You know, but after Serkin came in, I. Uh, I have to admit he has been re- he has been pretty good, he has been pretty decent. So it could have been the team. Could have been, mm. you know, is the role maybe he's playing in right now? Because before I think with Abdullah Afchi we had Atiba and El Neni basically playing next to each other, uh, and now it's very clearly El Neni is the designated six. He's yeah. tasked with all the defensive work, and Atiba is playing way much further up the pitch. Um, which sometimes leads to uh, weird situations where he just finds himself in offensive positions where you just feel that that's not really his thing. So uh, Elneny as a six right now under Sergen, I personally have liked his performance a lot. I think he does a lot of work and he gets to do what he does best apparently, um, recover the ball, work hard, chase, and uh, then just, you know, give the pass, uh, give the ball off as quick as possible to, to a teammate and, and not have to do too much himself offensively. Uh, another question then, of course, there's Dokan Tokus. Uh, last week it came out that he has refused to re-up his contract. His contract is uh, just running for another year. Of course, this season he has, might be two years, he signed a three and a half year contract when he signed when he first came. So, um, was he with us full season last season? Uh, no, season, uh, I think he was. But yeah, I think hmm. he was, and people were complaining about Channel not playing him. Uh, yeah, I think he was from the start of the season. Hmm. Then it might have been a three year deal. So I, I could check it quickly on tff.org. In fact, I'll, ch- I'll do that right now. But uh, so basically, he has refused to re up his contract um, because he insists that uh, he was promised uh, a pay increase. And they've been uh, negotiating since the summer. Uh, obviously, there was the board change uh, not so long ago. So that probably hampered things as well. Um, but it feels extremely uh, tone deaf. Dogan and of his agent to uh, insist on a pay raise right now. I know that he's on a low wage. I understand where he's coming from. That he wants more money. Uh, I think he's he's probably entitled entitled. Well, he probably earned a little bit of a pay bump, but 
I know you share this opinion. I, I personally don't think Dorokan Tokus is as great as people make him out to be. I think he's a decent player, a decent footballer. I really liked him at right back. I have liked him at in midfield for the Turkish national team. Uh, last season on the channel, he had a couple of good games at midfield. But overall, I feel like he's lacking something to really carry the midfield as a defensive midfielder. I don't think he has what it takes to play as a as a central midfielder as a passeur i don't feel like he play uh, can play as a 10 so i i don't really know dorokan for me is is not necessarily a complete footballer that i i don't know and i i i'd never i would never give him a, a huge contract i don't think he deserves to earn uh what he thinks he's worth right now i don't think he he deserves a, a, any, anywhere close to 2 million euros, which is the rumored uh, number that he's been asking for, which is absolutely ridiculous, I think. Um, what is your feeling on, on this guy, Odorokan Tokus, Besiktas? What should they do? Should they continue to try to negotiate with him? Uh, maybe reason with him. Look, we're asking everyone to cut wages. We'll give you a small bump. I think he's only making like 400k. Maybe we should we could give him like seven, 800 um, but 1 million plus seems, at this point, unrealistic, right? Let me first talk about his uh, contract situation and then afterwards about uh, what I think of him as a player. It's 2021, by the way, so he has one more year left. Yeah, uh, he has one year remaining on his contract. The thing is, he has posted uh, on Instagram, I think, that uh, he's never talked about money with the club and he isn't doing right now because... Uh, situation the world is in and the club is in so mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if the rumors are true you know if he wants two billion or not he says it's not so mm. Yeah, but there was definitely a hissy fit where he like removed all the Besiktas stuff from his social media yeah, and stuff and uh, his agent i think made a statement so he can say that now be probably because of the backlash he got from the fans but uh, i don't believe it i, I don't just, buy it uh, I just wanted to put out this information, so... Uh, yeah, that's great, that's great, because I, I missed I, it, so that's fantastic yeah. that, you, that you did yeah. that. There's also people saying, yeah, it's not him, it's, it's, it's his agent, but uh, that's, that's just uh, dumb, if you ask me. He is the one, uh, you know, saying, uh, telling his agent what to do, so that's just... Yeah, of course. I, I don't agree with that, so it's either he wants he wants money or not and he's saying that's not the case or at least that's not now the case so i don't know i i definitely think uh, he wants a pay rise because let's face it he earns one you know he earns yeah one. yeah of course definitely 2 million that's you know that's ridiculous and after tie this to his uh, ability i've always said he's not a special player Mm -hmm. what I mean? he's, yeah, but he's a useful player. He's, he's, he's not bad, he's decent. But, you know, um, like I said, with, for example, uh, Karius, people are saying he's, you know, useless and stuff like that. And with Dorukan last season, it was the opposite. People were, you know, hyping him up, hyping up to be the next. You know, Ozzy. Emre, Ozzy. Of whatever, whatever you yeah. want to call it, you know? And, and he's just. I don't think he's on that level at all, no, and no I don't think he's going to be on that level. And I hope he proves me wrong, of course. Yeah, yeah, but of course. Yeah. I, I don't think he's a special player. He's more of a, 
utility players. Yeah, and but utility players are extremely useful. A guy that can play like him, he can play in multiple positions, can bail you out at right back and put in a solid performance. Those players are valuable, but they aren't star players. They don't deserve. They they shouldn't be earning top wages. So yeah. I I don't mind if he stays, but it's also what offers are we getting for him? Like last season when he was performing well. People were talking about five million, ten million. Honestly, yeah, seven, if, we I think, yeah. five, if we got five million for him, I would, you know, sell him without you know, blinking my eyes. Yeah, but six, seven million, I would do the same thing. Yeah, five million is maybe a little bit low in today's markets, but yeah, six, seven million for sure, definitely sell, sell, sell. I don't know now with his injuries. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's the problem. Eh? He, he's he's not going to be playing anymore probably this season. Um, that leaves us with one year left to sell him, and in January he'll be able to sign on a Bosman anywhere. So this summer, who's going to want to take that gamble? Probably nobody. He is, I, I fear, um, unless we can convince him to re up. I think that's gonna be a loss for us. I think we're gonna either have to sell him at an extremely reduced price, and I don't even know if anyone's going to be willing to pay anything for a player that's un an unknown. You know, maybe somebody will come in Jan if he plays, let's say he plays second, starts him first half of the season, maybe somebody comes in January and offers us like $2 million or something. But we're never going to be able to get uh, the full price for him anymore. Um, also, I, I just don't think he will be re-upping. Uh, I know a little bit about him. Uh, I know that's, you know... The way he left Eskishirspor and stuff like that, like this is not a player that loves Besiktas. This is not a player that I mean, look, he's a Fenerbahce fan to begin with. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I don't have a good eye in this. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I hope he resigns uh, for an acceptable wage, and he does deserve a little bit of a bump in his pay. But he also needs to be realistic and just realize that look, you're not going to be getting a big juicy contract, and I don't think he's going to get that anywhere right now. At least not in Turkey. Best case, best case scenario for both of us, so the club and him, is him signing for a decent wage and then uh, starting uh, starting for us again and performing. You know, so afterwards we can sell him for a decent transfer fee. I mm -hmm. think that's best case scenario for both of us, but I don't know what what he wants to do. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's talk about then. Of course, we always spoil a little bit about the ten position. Leitch, uh what do you think in general about him? Do you think the criticism on him is exaggerated? Uh, some of it is obviously earned, like any criticism. Usually, some of it is, is is earned. What do you think we should be looking to do with him? He still has a two-year contract, I think. Uh, should we be looking to sell him in the summer? And uh, yeah, just that basically. <laughs> He does have a two-year contract remaining. Um, it depends what what transfer fee can we get for him. You know, I don't yeah. think I don't think he's bad. Definitely not. I don't think he's great like some people do. But I don't know. I, don't I know. think he's an extremely talented football yeah, personally. Yeah, he's definitely I, I, really talented. Uh, yeah. I, I've uh, rated him when he was hmm. playing at Roma. You know, I think he's he suffers. A lot from the fact that the team just isn't, you know, the team isn't. Pl now under Sergen, the the football has been a lot better, 
but I think, you know, just a little bit of lack of quality around him. We also saw it last season. He didn't start really performing up until the moment that Burak came, because then he finally had someone to link up with. And Burak this season has been underperforming, has been underwhelming. And statistically, Laich is still having a good season. Yeah, I agree. I was also going to mention uh, Burak, you know, having a bad season. Last season, same thing. First first half of the season he was kind of disappointing you know he wasn't bad but he wasn't you know people were making him out to be the messiah so to speak and he was he wasn't that but after Burak came in you know he was he was he was amazing same with same with Burak of course mm-hmm. and now Burak underperforming yeah it depends can we get a striker you know from a decent level or is Burak going to be uh going back on his old level, you know, hmm. so many question marks, and like like I said, it depends, can we get a decent transfer fee for him, because honestly, I would swap him for Talishka in, in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> personally, I prefer, like, in, I personally, in my 10 position, I've said it in the past, I prefer somebody who has... Um, vision who can pass ball and stuff yeah. like that and that's not Talishka but look I mean yeah. Talishka like you said he's a special player I think when you play with Talishka you simply don't play a system with a 10 you have to play a different system you have to yeah. operate in a different way he has to basically play as a second striker almost so then you just have to not play with a 10 anymore so you don't need one but then obviously we need that that creativity to come from somewhere else yeah but yeah, that's the thing. It's also, if you look at our current team, it's not just Leic, you know, it's, we don't have a really creative winger. We have Angundu, yeah. who is... Yeah, he's not creative. He's just a runner and he creates chaos, but he, he doesn't have br- moments of brilliance, you know. He has a good cross once in a while, but not, he's not, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's also the thing. He doesn't really have someone around him to link up with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For example, For sure. the Galatasaray game, people were destroying him, you know, on social media, and I thought he was he was maybe our best player in that game. Doesn't mean he was good. It's just Light or Ankudu. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they were destroying him obviously because he yeah. had that one opportunity where yeah, if in just that, it yeah, it's moments, you know, people, yeah. you know, people always pick out moments to pick on a player. But I think Nkudu was really good against Galatasaray. Uh, apart from, well, really good, I think he caused them a lot of problems. I'll, yeah. I'll put it that way. He's the only player in our current squad that can cause block, cause problems. You know. Yeah. And he does it for everyone. I mean, he is a handful. Even if he is invisible in a match, the only reason he's invisible is because he's pulling two guys away. And I don't remember exactly which game it was. A couple, like a couple of games before the Galatasaray match, obviously. <laughs> but I don't remember exactly what match it was. But I remember that he was like he didn't do sh- do anything useful offensively in that game, in terms of getting in positions, crossing the ball, whatever. But he, by, just by his sheer presence, was taking away so much attention from the other players uh, that just led us to win that match. I don't even remember which game it was, but I remember vividly Nkudu, despite the fact that he was quote-unquote invisible, was was being beneficial for the team because he required the opponents to mark him very tightly and to designate two defenders to him. That's in turn offers other players space 
and the opportunities to score goals. And that's something I think that people don't notice because they're not looking for it. But I mean, for you listeners in the future, when you think Nkudu is not playing a good game because he's not getting the ball often or whatever, try to pay attention to how many players he's pulling away from the center. Just yeah. just do that for, for a couple yeah. of matches. That's the thing. We don't really have another player that, that can create danger. You know, yeah, of well, course, Lajic, but he's, yeah. What do you think of Tyler Boyd now with Sergen Yalcin? He definitely has had a resurgence, uh, finding himself a little bit, I think. I was really liking him under Sergen so far, and he, I think he, he worked hard, fought to get a chance, and uh, towards the end now, uh, he was a starter for Sergen. What do you think of, of Boyd going into next season? Should he be someone that uh, should we, we be looking for, uh, or is he not good enough, like some people are saying? I definitely don't agree that people are saying he isn't good enough, but those people aren't really basing it on his qualities. Yeah, they're basing it on the fact that he has zero goals and zero assists in the league or something. It's more like uh, the first couple of games of the season, he, was, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't really visible, you know? He wasn't really present, but people were immediately making him out to be terrible. Mm-hmm. That's what I hate about Turkish football fans. It's like when someone has an invisible game, he's immediately playing bad. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't like that with Boyd. He was... He was just, you know, not present enough. He was still coming into his own. Yeah. This was, this is not a player that is coming from a big league or anything like that. And immediately, you know, this is a guy. This is the biggest contract, the biggest club he's ever played for. Yeah. And he needed to settle. And he immediately got, I think, he got concussed against Sivaspor, which immediately because he had a really good preseason. But then, you know, that first game of the season, I think he was playing pretty well. He missed some chances, yes, but I think he was playing well against Sivaspor. And then he he got his head smashed by Samasa, and yeah, I I, I felt like that. That, that that hurt him. He definitely the, the following matches. He I really had the impression that he wasn't a hundred percent, and I really think he had a concussion in that game. Um, and and then it just felt like Abdullah Avci kind of lost faith in him, uh, and he started giving him less and less opportunities. And you could see that gnawing at the player. And I think you can see the proof in the pudding just by the fact that when as soon as Sergen came in. Boyd had a new fire lit under him because he knew, look, new coach, new opportunities, and I'm going to grab it this time. And he did. Yeah, I agree. It's like I said, uh, I don't think he was bad the first half of the season. He had a couple of really good games. Even I think against Braga, he was, he was pretty good. But yeah, one of the few matches where he was allowed yeah. to start. Yeah, but in general, uh, it's one, he was sort of invisible his first couple of games and in the mm-hmm. games afterwards he didn't really get a chance to prove himself so mm-hmm. it's just really unfair of people saying he's bad you know it doesn't have any skills that's not true yeah. and maybe also has to do with the football we were playing i think he he probably needs to be involved a little bit more i think he would i think boyd is a player that could do well in a uh, you know 2015-16 senior Guinness type of team that yeah. plays a little bit more combination football and when Sergen came in Uh, if I have to look at the Galatasaray game specifically, I think I've told you this. I, he wasn't present in attack. You know, 
No, but he worked his socks yeah. off. Yeah. I, I, same thing, you know, he wasn't bad in that game. He was great defensively. Yeah. Even, you know, but I, I, I think the reason that Onyekuru was yeah. neutralized for the most part was Boyd. Yeah, That's probably why Galtzray fans were saying we played with 11 men yeah, behind the ball. Because Boyd, in fairness, Boyd basically played like a second right back. But wasn't Gukhan out for that game? So we uh, kind of had to do it? I think so, yes. But yeah. I, quite I think Gukhan was out. Didn't Lenz play as a right back? Yeah, I think Lenz was Yeah, right so then you can kind of understand maybe why you want to put a little bit of a lockdown on Henry Onyekuru, the guy that just got Galtzray's first win this century in Kadikoy since 1999, the first win for Galtzray away at Fenerbahce, and that was in large part due to Henry Onyekuru. So I completely understand that Sergen decided, look, I'm going to neutralize that guy. And uh, look, it paid off. We got a point. Um, it's not a win, but we didn't lose. And yeah. But that's the thing. You know, the, I think I said this before the game, the biggest problem we will have with them is Onyekuru when he slips behind the defense you're it's 50 50 you know he scores or he doesn't but he's definitely going at the goalkeeper yeah 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 for sure yeah yeah it's not gonna happen and the thing with galatasaray fans is i think they just wanted to see us play with a high line defensively (laughs) of course (laughs) you will slip behind the defense and they will have 20 chances with just onyakuru going at the goalkeeper and and sergan handled that perfectly i think onyakuru was invisible you know, he had that one chance, but... Yeah, one or two moments, I think. It really, wasn't really, you know, uh, a ball behind the defense or something like that. There was still mm-hmm. a lot of defenders in front of him, but he got a little bit space. Yeah. So... So comparing that, like, for example, like, with Abdullah Avci, in the beginning, I definitely had the feeling, like, that I was seeing a game plan in the first weeks. But then, as the results weren't coming, I felt like... Any, he, he reverted to uh, the tactics Sinal Gunas used, and I just felt like any plan was gone. And with Sergan, every match, especially here, like for against, against Galtzray, you can see what he is thinking and what he is trying to achieve. And with Abdullah Avci, I just struggled to do that yeah. uh, after that bad start. Yeah, I understand. Uh, the thing is, I haven't uh, really watched those. I have watched a couple of those first games, but not entirely and not all of them because I was in Turkey at that time. Mm. I was at a wedding when we were playing Rizespor and the first 45 minutes I was watching it on my iPad at the wedding and I was watching it and I, I was I was in awe. I loved how we were playing. I loved the gig and pressing. We were recovering the ball within five seconds and, and most of the time two, three seconds or something. It was insane. And then we conceded and the match finished 1-1 because we couldn't score. We couldn't convert that, uh, that possession and that amazing pressure football we were playing into goal. And we conceded on a counter 1-0 at half time behind and we still got the equalizer in the second half, but we just couldn't bring the same intensity in the second half. And I really liked what Abdullah actually was trying to do there. But as soon as those results just yeah they, they they were just not coming and you could just see look he was getting desperate and even when then we were on that winning streak, 
I I just felt like it was um, yeah he he wasn't getting into it again. It, he it was over. I already felt like uh, even when we were winning those matches, yes, we were winning, but the the whole reason we got Avci was to implement a system, and it was just like he gave up on it. He completely gave up on it. And the thing with Sergen now is he is not necessarily a system coach, but he is somebody that at his previous clubs was known for developing good uh, game plans for individual opponents. He always made good plans and always made it difficult for the big teams. Um, And I I think that some, you know, Abdullah Avci did that too, but Abdullah Avci always did the same thing. And Sergen... I have seen him do stuff at at Alanya Sport and uh, at at, at um, Gaziantep Sport before that. I've seen him do things where I really like the football they're playing against the big clubs. They aren't. He isn't just making them play uh, Catenaccio or something like that. No, he's actually, especially with Alanya Sport, attacking offensive football and grabbing the opponents by the throat. And I remember, I think it was a match against Galatasaray last season, where. I was really impressed by the way Alanya Spore were just kicking their asses and playing gutsy football and had them figured out. And I think it was it ended in a draw or maybe even a win for Alanya Spore. I don't remember exactly, but I like it about Sergen and I hope to see more of that next season. But obviously a lot of it will depend on what is he going to have available to him in terms of tools, in terms of the players. Uh, because at Alanya Spore last season, I think he had a fantastic squad. And that needs to be taken into consideration too. At the end of the day, I don't think Sergen is somebody who's going to win the league with us if he doesn't have a good squad. I don't think he's the type of coach that's going to, um, yeah, uh, like like a like a like an orange just squeeze out the final bits of juice. I think you need to give him plenty of quality to work with, and I think if you do, then he is a fantastic coach. But we don't have the financial means for that, so we'll have to be smart about it. We'll have to find young players, cheap players. We'll have to promote from within, and then we have to look for some opportunities in the free transfer market, perhaps. And it's really a shame that uh, that uh, what was that guy's called uh, the the name um, the the player from Kojeli Spor, um, the winger uh, Karadinis something, um, young twenty year old, eighteen year old winger that for Kojeli Spor in the third division this season has had scored oh, yeah. already like. 11, 12 goals or something, and we had a deal with him, but unfortunately, Antalya Spor came in and offered more money. Uh, that's really unfortunate because I think those are the types of signings that we should be going for right now, and and you know, very low risk, but potential high reward, and that's the type of stuff we need to be on the lookout for at the moment. You know, but that's also it's also one of the reasons it's going to be hard to compete for the title. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think Sergen is a coach who can get everything out of a squad, uh, but just I don't know if he can do that for a whole season, and I don't know if even if he does that, you know, if the squad is going to be good enough to actually win the title, that that's the issue I think. But mm-hmm. I definitely do think he is a coach who can, you know, get, get the most. Yeah, that's not. I didn't mean like he can get the most of a team, but I mean like I don't think he can get a team to completely transcend and rise above their level for an yeah. entire season like like and, and, and do enough to win the league. I think he needs a certain amount of quality like any coach would need. Um, yeah, because 
at the end of the day, the ways that the, the, the Anatolian teams are going to approach matches against Bishtis is different, like they approach matches against Sivaspor, with all the respect for Sivaspor, that's just a fact. The, those teams are going to play more defensively when they come to Vodafone Park, unless, of course, they, they smell blood or something. Um, but we're going to need a certain level of quality next season, and it's going to be interesting to see. Now, uh, obviously, Umut Nair, that's a player, I think, for the bench. He's fine, whatever. Guven Yalcin, he's disappointed. I think he definitely has to go out alone. If it were up to me, I would just sell him. I, I don't really see that much potential in him, but you never know. Um, but Burak Yilmaz, he's our main striker right now, and I think he's been part of the problem, despite the st- statistically having a decent season, because I think he has more than 10 goals, but half of those have come from penalties. Um, Burak Yilmaz, what do you think? He's on a pretty high contract as well. Do you think he is... Is it possible to still get rid of him, to sell him? Do you think we should do that? Or do you do you think we should just look, Burak, we know the situation we are in, please take a pay cut. Do you think that's an option? Do you think that's what we should be doing? What should we be doing with Burak Yilmaz? Well, that's a difficult question because last season Burak was, you know, amazing. I think in those six months he was the best player of the league, honestly. But yeah, this season he has been dreadful. And as you said, he, he does have a decent number of goals, but most of them are penalties, which is... One of the things I love about him, if he's going to take a penalty, you know it's most certainly going to go in. You know, I love that about him. Same with Jank in the past. Yeah, it's but nice <laughs> to have uh, when when a player steps up. It's ni- nice to not have to bite your nails. But it's just yeah, we can't keep him if you know definitely yeah. with his wage. It's, it's yeah, simply and, not and an option to keep him. And his contract extended not for one year but for two years. Apparently, that was a clause in this contract where if the board changed his optional one-year extension changed into a two-year extension automatically. So, we aren't just stuck with him for one more year. We're stuck with him for two more years. So, his contract will run until 2022. And he is going to be making um, roughly two and a half million euros a year in that. So, that is a lot of money given our position currently. And I, look, if he bangs in... 17 18 goals next season okay fine you know and if half of those aren't penalties yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's also his, his form of last season wasn't wasn't really sustainable you know that it was just it was transcending himself you, you you would think that but then again if you look at the season before that he scored 23 goals for Trabzonspor in like 25 matches i think and then in the first half of the season he scored 5 and 7 so he was he was maintaining that level of you know conversion at least for for quite a while. Uh, we just got him at the wrong point, I think. Uh, Kartal and Iljan both have said so many times we should have signed him when Trabzonspor signed him, yeah. and I think that that's also that's true. That so yeah, many times. yeah. If we signed him, we would have been champs four. Had we signed him instead of Negredo, so yeah, times. yeah, we probably would have won the league. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, w- it will be so interesting if we could uh, pull a, a Avengers Endgame and just go back in, in in history and just change a couple of things, you know, just to see how things would have gone. And I just, I mean it. I really mean it. If we got Burak back in 2017 instead of Negredo, yeah, would have been champs not three but four seasons in a row, you know, including. Yeah. 
and and the Grado is another player I think that gets criticized unfairly, but I just think that we were that people were just expecting a little bit uh, the wrong thing about him. Plus, I also don't think that uh, Shinol Gunish being his coach helped much because in the first half of the season he was basically treated as a as a bench warmer that was making five million a year. about Negredo is he has that one moment people will always remember you know it's not that he was bad or, or something like that it was just that one moment people will remember 50 years from now yeah <laughs> if he scores that goal against Galtry people probably uh, would be putting him on pedestal right now and would be calling him a legend I've also said it's really unfair to say Negredo cost us the title I know that's that's an exaggeration you know it's not mm-hmm literally but it's also I don't think it's just Negredo because Babel was also <laughs> you remember I think Babel's chance was way bigger than Negredo yeah yeah huge one on one you know so but because it was nil nil at that time people were going to point to it but uh, I think yeah, it's and decent you know it's not not 5 million a year yeah, that's the thing, you know, if he was making 2 million instead of 4.3 or whatever it was, I think nobody would have complained too much. Plus, I mean, if you look at the total, if you look at how many goals he ended up scoring at the end of the season, and if you look at how many starts he had, it was decent. I think he had like 10, 11 goals or something. Um, or maybe it was less, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, it was still, you know, I mean, he just had to, the first half of the season, it was just... Uh, yeah, Cenk was ahead of him, and, and rightfully so. You know, he had earned that, especially given his performance in the Champions League. But uh, that, that did hamper uh, Negredo's uh, ability to really come to into his own. And, and, and then suddenly, when Cenk was sold, everything fell on Negredo. Um, but, yeah... Then it was. Then he wasn't 100% settled. He didn't have the confidence of the coach entirely. He didn't. You know, so much of football is mental. And if, as a striker, especially, if you feel like you're appreciated by your coach, if you feel you're important and you're being ma- and you're made important, then your performance is going to improve drastically. But if you were always made to feel like you were kind of second fiddle and suddenly suddenly the, the guy before you left then you still don't feel like you're important you still feel oh, it's basically just like oh yeah well now they need me because they don't have anything else but that's not the same type of, of feeling you have when you get the appreciation to begin with and I uh, can't couldn't agree more because uh, I'm a striker or winger myself and uh I've had the same feelings, you know, when, when a coach doesn't appreciate you, it's really hard to, to give it your all and to, to actually be good, you know, you can still have decent games, it's not quite the same when a coach doesn't believe in you, and so, for example, I've been at the same club for five years now, myself, Mm -hmm. and I'm a Mm -hmm. winger, and the first two years I had a coach that didn't really believe in me, and I thought that wasn't deserved. Not to defend myself, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And then, and then that coach left, and the last three seasons I've had a coach that actually believed in me, and it's it's night and day, you know. It's, it's yeah. So much different. Than with and and some people respond to it differently, you know. So under some players, it really lights a fire, and they're like, "Oh, I'll show you." And and they some players do that, but that's yeah, but, that's that's quite rare. Yeah, but it's also not really sustainable, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. You know, if a coach consistently, you know 
stops you. Ignores you. Yeah. yeah. It's not really sustainable to do that for a longer period of time. And I think yeah. with Nick Grado, they definitely have. I think with, with, with Boyd, we kind of saw that against Braga. He kind of had that, well, I'll show you. And then he did, and then the next league game, I don't think he got a single minute. Yeah, that, so that then the player goes like, okay, well, what the f- what the yeah, hell do that, I have to do? And he plays him in a cup game that's like, I don't want to play in this game, you know? Yeah, like yeah, at minus 30 degrees in Air's room or something, Air's whatever room. it was. So even yeah, worse. whatever. Same thing. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's gonna be very interesting to see your squad uh, change for next season. I I can't wait to, for the summer uh, and 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 the, I don't know I, I don't know what to expect from the summer window because we need a lot. I think there's gonna be a lot of changes. There's gonna be a lot of movement because obviously players are gonna be leaving. Um, but you know, limited budget. It's gonna be very interested, uh, interesting to see. I think Erdal Toronolare has probably been working hard behind the scenes already. We of course have that interesting deal now with Fortuna Sittard in Holland, who are going to be doing scouting for us in in uh, the region in in the Netherlands, Belgium, Germany. Um, obviously, Sittard is situated very well close to the German border. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of uh, fruits that uh, will uh, harvest, or however I should put it. Um, of course, we still have Jermaine Lenz, guys like that, that obviously we would like to get rid of just because of their wages. I think Jermaine Lenz is... He, he continues to prove that he is a useful player, I think. He did has a, had some good games this season. I think if Jermaine Lenz was making like 1 million instead of 2.5... He'd be a fantastic squad player. The problem is he's just making way too much money. I I think he is quality, but he is not always very consistent. He shouldn't be making the top wage he's making right now. I would love to keep Jermaine Lenz at a reduced wage, but I just don't think it's realistic. Um, Let's close off on Jermaine Lenz then. Do you think that uh, he's going to be making his return to the Netherlands uh, in the summer? Do you think it's sustainable for him to still stay at Besiktas? We have been having a pretty bad season, you know, mm-hmm. especially the first half. But even in that first half, I think Lance was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. I think he's been one of our better players uh, in the first half of the season, which says a lot, if you ask me. But if he's going to... Re- I don't know if he's going to return because he has a contract for another two years, I think. Yeah, 2022, yeah. So he has a pretty high wage, so I don't know if he wants to take a pay cut. I don't think any club in Holland can actually afford him except Ajax. Ajax, Maybe yeah. PSV, no, PSV, not, not, not right now. They so, they they have serious financial issues too, so they, they can't pay that even. Uh, but do you think that, that Lens, I mean... Lens knows. Lens has said it in, in multiple times. Uh, when you hear him in, a, in an interview, I always feel like he's very sober about the reality of the situation. He knows the, what situation the club is in. He acknowledges it. He also acknowledges the fact, look, I haven't done enough. I haven't played well enough. I could, I don't know, like Lenz, from one side, Lenz definitely is a player that in his career has, has opted the money choice. I mean, he went to Dynamo Kiev for a reason. But on the other hand, I really get the sense that he's a decent human being, and I could definitely see him leave early, 
Maybe with a little bit of a severance package, like a couple hundred thousand, maybe just a fuck off fee, basically. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I don't know. I, on one end, I would love to keep him, but on the other end, I just think that given his wages, uh, you know, he has to be cut. And that's again why I think it's interesting if if FIFA is going to do anything, maybe make it possible one time only for clubs to cut cut players without having to pay compensation fees i think that would be a good thing and it would be really hard on players but i think something like that needs to be done for clubs to show otherwise i think a lot of clubs are gonna die and uh, at the end of the day look if these clubs are going bankrupt players aren't gonna get their wages either yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe there should be like a minimum, like a minimum fee, like a, let's say one hundred and fifty thousand or something, or like a, or like ten percent of the remain or of their remaining contra- uh, old contract uh, wages or something like that. In Holland, we have an, uh, we have we have a rule right now. Uh, the government is going to give you ninety percent of your uh, losses back. You know. So oh wow, ninety? Yeah. Okay. In Belgium, it's, uh, in Belgium it's in Belgium seventy. I don't know if that applies to football clubs. So it's, I don't know. Oh, the companies you mean? Yeah. Oh wow, I don't think that's possible. Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, pff, maybe, 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 yeah, yeah. It's it's a very interesting situation. I was talking to to Kim about it uh, earlier. Um, you know, she said something along the lines of, look, uh, like she had read uh, that, that right now it's kind of the question of cho- between two choices. Either we saddle the next generation with an enormous mount, uh, mountain of debt or the other choice, we let a lot of old people die. <laughs> that's the, that's the, 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 the cruel truth. Yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, Really weird, weird situation we are in. Um, Besiktas weren't in a good position to begin with, but this, if only made things worse. Uh, but maybe, yeah, I, I'm very curious what the developments are going to be. I, I really hope that FIFA and UEFA are going to do something to to help save clubs. I was talking to a, a well, not talking. I was in a conversation in a group chat. We're in a group chat in a bunch of uh, foreign journalists and uh, one of the people in there is uh, Emmanuel Rochu who's a Romanian journalist and he mentioned that as it currently stands it looks like half of the, the Romanian clubs are just gonna die off and yeah something needs to be done it can be I, I don't I cannot see local governments bailing clubs out left and right that that's just not doable they have other priorities and rightfully so but at the other uh, you know on the other end of the spectrum you can you let institutions like Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, Besiktas die. You can't, right? They have too much of a, uh, a cultural and, and, and value in the society. Um, they're too big, too important, I think. But, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. It's going to be a strange reason. One more player we have, of course, of value is Domagoj Vida. He's on the highest contract, highest play player in the club. 3 million euros a year. Uh, he will be 31 this year. Do you think he's gonna, we'll have to sell him? Him and, and Leic, I think, are the two guys who have most value, probably? Depends what we can get for him. Mm. <laughs> you know, <because laughs> the, after the World Cup, people were saying 30 million. 30 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's not 
not gonna happen. But, yeah, uh, pl plus all these clubs are in similar positions right now. They all they're all without income right now. Plus they're gonna know look, Besiktas need money, so they probably they will also try to take advantage of that. I think Fidesz, you know, he's, he's pretty, maybe the best in the league, but not. Yeah, I don't know who. I think he's the best central defender in the league. I don't know who would be classified better, but you know. That's absurd. Uh, if you well, don't play Champions League football, for, for a striker, but definitely not yeah. for a defender. You know? Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. That's not that's not realistic. But yeah, we all know why we paid him that much. Of course, uh, we have to kind of look at that three million as look. We're still kind of paying off his transfer fee that we never had to pay because it was free. Um, it's not abnormal. I think it's normal for him to to make that money, especially given that he was a free transfer. If you look at the ta the status he has, and and also just you know he's he's if you look at European football, it's weird that he plays in Turkey because I think he's a player that could easily play in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but but uh, yeah, Premier League central defenders are usually uh, not uh, that great anyway. But I think we 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 pretty much covered it all, Yusuf. Um, anything you wanna add? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good. Yeah, thank you very much for joining me on the show, and uh, congratulations with your debut, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to have you on again in the future. Uh, thank you, man. Uh, should have done it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll definitely do it again. And for you guys, uh, thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Black Eagles podcast. Sinan will be back soon. Uh, I think Sinan and Evron are probably going to be uh, back on a more regular basis. Uh, we're going to try and, and sort everyone out with a proper headset and stuff like that. And then Sinan and Evron will probably be doing uh, most of the the match, uh, post-match episodes. Because obviously schedule conflicting. Getting times lined up with uh, someone in New York when you are six hours uh, ahead is not always easy, unfortunately. And uh, both of them are obviously in the New York area. So it's a lot easier. But uh, it doesn't mean that's the last you'll hear of me. I'll definitely still be doing my specials and I hope to do uh, stuff with Sinan in the future and with Yusuf and with Evran and with uh, with Kartal, with Özcan maybe uh, with anyone we've had on in the past but Yusuf definitely looking forward to speaking to you again in the future and uh, look there's still plenty that's going to happen in the next couple of months uh, maybe we can uh, if, if Talishka rumors heat up maybe we can uh, have you on again and uh, we can uh, spend an hour dreaming about uh, something that's never going to happen yeah, I would like that man <laughs> Like anyway, guys, if you are still looking for something to listen to during this strange, strange uh, time, this uh, lockdown, head over to uh, the Football Altroka podcast and give them a listen. That's a podcast I do with a couple of other folks, uh, Burak Sezgin, who I always uh, refer to as Burak Yilmaz for some reason because I'm getting older, uh, Umut Naderi, Jakub Marofol, and Uzer Dinger. There's also a way uh, that you can uh, get more podcasts even than the weekly podcasts we already do on there. Uh, that's going to patreon.com slash fault where you can become a VIP member for just $3 a month and then you will get bonus content every month. We put out uh, several extra podcasts. So uh, this is a perfect time to listen to podcasts. Podcasts are easy, fun, and great. So anyway, thank you very much for listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Sorry again that it's been such a 
long time. Since our last episode, we will definitely do our best to bring you more frequent episodes in the upcoming weeks. Uh, You can always uh, reach out to us at eagles underscore podcast on Twitter to give us any feedback on our episodes, give us suggestions for future episodes, topics you'd like us to discuss. Any suggestions are always welcome. Feedback as well and constructive criticism, of course. Anyway, uh, this is me signing off for this episode of Black Eagles Podcast. Please stay healthy and stay at home. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.